This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirtis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today are the wonderful Richard and Justin. Richard, hello. Hello. Uh, that's a pretty nice tan you got there. Oh, well, you know, Risa has some good rays, so, you know, enjoying my vacation. <laughs> and Justin, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Good to have you back after you're out for a couple of weeks off doing some other stuff, having a good time. Yes, and I really want to thank Colin and Nick for ste- stepping in. They did a great job. Love listening to them and just glad that... I have a spot to come back to, you know? You always wonder. No, you'll always have a spot to come back, Amy. Are you kidding? <laughs> Unless we have a, uh, another host that loves Troy, then I don't know. We might Uh-oh, have- yeah. <laughs> come on, can there be anybody equal to Amy's love of Troy? No, there is not. So, okay, I'm safe. There is only one. <laughs> equal to love and hate for uh, Roe and Riker. Yeah. <laughs> You had to find a way to slip that in there. Yes, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do have some feedback from um, episode 217, people from the past who are stuck in the future. So Justin, why don't you start us off? Uh, Patrick Carlin says, the TNG book Indistinguishable from Magic had Rasmussen in it, and we find out how he got the time pod in the 22nd century. Claire Raymond is featured in the Department of Temporal Investigations book I've mentioned on a few recent roundtables watching the clock. Sonny Clemens and Offenhouse are briefly mentioned in it too. So thanks, Patrick, for your your comment. I know I mentioned a couple of book follow-ups, but I haven't read all the Star Trek novels, so I appreciate some of the the suggestions you have there to find out more of the, the story of some of the characters we talked about on that episode. As always, Patrick is good to leave important and good information on our post. So thank you. Yeah, always making the connections. Uh, Chris Rebecca uh, wrote, I really like Rasmussen. That episode was really good. Also, Relics is the one of, is one of my favorite episodes. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, and I th- thank you for that uh, comment, Christopher. And of course, as we were talking about people that were from the past that are stuck in the 24th century of the next generation, I think we made a brief mention of relics, but we didn't really talk about the episode and Scotty's stuck yeah. in the future. So I know, I couldn't believe that. I'm like, you guys, Standard Orbit's going to have a fit. oversight. But, you know, we talked about that for like an hour and a half, so it probably would have been two hours or two different podcasts. But, hey, I, I appreciate you mentioning that, and I can't believe I... Didn't think about that, but yeah, perfect example. Yeah. Matthew Bell writes, I love time travel as well. This was a great topic for discussion. Regarding the emissary and the Klingon ship, I think the implication was they would come out of cryogenic sleep and go straight for their predetermined targets, running silent all the way. Frankly, at such a bizarre mission, military technology would advance enormously in the 70 years they were asleep that I think this ship was full of misfits sent on a contrived super secret long-term mission in order to get them out of the empire's way. I'm sure that no one in the council ever expected them back. Finally, I'm really glad that the Bozeman in cause and effect got a proper discussion. 
I've seen so many fans tout the interpretation that it was stuck in the time loop for 90 years, forgetting the fact that the catalyst behind the time loop, the Enterprise, wouldn't be around for most of that time. A brilliant podcast all around. Well, thank you, Matthew, for your comment. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. And actually, I only put in part of your comment. There's a much lengthier part of, of the comment that listeners should check out on the Babel Conference, as well as a discussion about some of those those items. So I appreciate the, the, the feedback. And I, I think that mission they have in the emissary is kind of strange. Like, why would you put them on for 75 years? Did something go wrong? It it's not quite explained and it's really odd, but, but it gave us, you know, Klingons of the 23rd century into the next generation, which is interesting to see. Okay. Well, for today, looking forward to this discussion, we are going to talk about game sports and hobbies that we see in the next generation. And just so excited. I can't even believe when we put together this list of how many different games and sports and hobbies that we can talk about. So let's get started with the big one that TNG is known for, specifically TNG, and that is poker. And we love seeing the poker games um, on the next gen and on Enterprise and who gets to play the game and stuff like that and how fun and what we learn about the characters on their off time. So we know from speaking with Melinda Snodgrass on the interview that she introduced the game of poker in Measure of a Man. And um, so we see them playing poker, and there's a lot of times where we see poker. So what do you guys think about the introduction of poker for the Enterprise crew? I, th- I think it's it's great um, to, to see that and to see them, like, interacting in this, you know, kind of fun, competitive game. I do think it's interesting in that Melinda Snodgrass interview that, uh, that we found out that originally she was considering... Uh, data swimming. So maybe swimming could have been a big thing on TNG, but I'm kind of glad it was poker because like in the different episodes, it brings out this sense of not only do they work well together, but they have a good time on their off time together in this kind of, you know, competitive thing. It's not like something that's that's physically taxing. It, it more has to do with um, with your strategy and how you're thinking about things. And it can reveal things about the characters. Like when we uh, talked to Elizabeth Dennehy, who played uh, Commander uh, Shelby in Best of Both Worlds, that poker scene was all about her ambition and being the one that's rising up and can uh, can beat Riker at this game that he's so good at. So I think it, it can really tell us a lot about the characters. Hmm. That's not how I saw the whole poker element, uh, <laughs> uh, actually. <laughs> okay, how do you see it? Well, I, I thought of it as a as a like a water cooler, a replacement of a water cooler. Um, instead of like you know ten forward, where we always saw them, you know, mingle, talk, gossip, or or whatever, even uh, counsel each other in private. This also could very well be the same thing, but in a group setting instead. Or that's that's how I saw. It. I mean, I I get where you where you're coming from, showing. Um, certain characteristics of, of, of those characters, but like I, I saw it more as a water cooler than anything else. That's just me. No, that, I mean, and, and I think that like it shows up so many times it's, it's used for, for different purposes because there's right. even the time when, um, when data plays poker with Einstein, Newton and, and Hawking, which is, which is more about what data is interested in finding about than people kind of getting together or any specific character development. So I think it's used, in, in a lot of, uh, of different ways. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what do you think, Amy? Like, what purpose does it serve? Do you like that they play poker? Yeah, I love that they play poker. And I see it actually a combination of both of you guys. So I'm glad that you mm-hmm. said that because it is just them on their off time, getting to know each other, just sort of the water cooler. Hey, what's going on? You know, the little chit chat. I mean, when in quality of life, they have this little side bet that's like, all right, whoever loses, if the men, you know, if the man loses, then they have to shave their beards or Beverly, then she's going to dye her hair brown, you know, just sort of these fun little bets that, you know, you sort of go through and it's, it, you get to see them build their relationships outside of work, which, you know, that's all they're doing on the enterprises work, work, work. So this, this side time is, is very important to, mm-hmm 
get to know them and have them bond and become more of a family. And I think it also helps for the for the viewer because you're you're seeing them in this more relaxed setting kind of as more friends or or family and it helps to kind of deepen your ties as a viewer to these characters so that when they are in danger you care for them more because these are um, you know, the people you can relate to that are just having this friendly competition, right? And, and yeah. it makes them more real to you and care more about them, I think. Yeah. Which they're playing, not, they're not playing for money or anything like that. <laughs> some some well, kind of chips. Well, they have the chips, you know, but, but yeah, there's no money attached to it. Yeah, it's just a friendly competition. Um, and I've heard some people who play poker say, oh, if it's not for money, then, you know, what would be the point? But I think it's, they they do it because it's it's just a kind of a a fun way to to be with friends and to also you know exercise some different mental abilities than you might usually have on your job. So yeah, and when they're teaching data you know, poker and he's like, oh, I know all the rules, and they're like, uh, Riker schooled him pretty well. So <laughs> <laughs> bluffing is not part of the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite interesting. I like it a lot. And and it's probably out of all of these things that we will talk about, maybe the most, the thing people think about first or the most distinctive thing in the next generation that's a game sport or hobby. Yeah, and like you mentioned with Shelby, like they sort of use the poker, you know, to invite people to play poker with them like they did with Shelby or in The Price, they invite Dr. Mendoza and then he comments, well, Riker must be a good poker player. You know, so we're just sort of learning just the little tiniest bits about these characters. And, you know, that it's something that they can invite other people to, you know, enjoy with them. And actually, also, I was thinking also in the best of both worlds, um, I think that uh, that Riker offers Admiral Hansen, right. you know, to join the poker game. And he's like, maybe another time. And in a way, that's that's a, a signal to the viewer like, oh, this is something that's really, really serious if someone's not going to join a poker game because it seems like they usually have time to do these things. Yeah. It's interesting in the 90s in uh, in the Outcast and Deanna gets to choose the rules for the poker, you know, how mm -hmm. they each get their own to play their own game. So Deanna has, all right, well, twos, sixes, and aces are wild. And then we get worst lovely comment. Well, that must be a women's game. I'm like, really? That's a little sexism right there. It was funny. I don't know yeah, if that would Worf fly has, nowadays. Yeah, I don't know. And Worf, there are a few other times in the next generation where Worf has some kind of sexist comments. And I think it's, I don't know why that, why they put that in there. And and him saying that, it's it's weird because it's based on honoring the, the founding date of the Federation. So... I don't know. It, it yeah. it's 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 odd, but it, it brings out something in Worf's character that if he's on the bridge, he's not going to say something like that. So it tells you a little something about him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's funny in ethics, you know, because we know Jordy's visor can see everything, and <laughs> you know, and so we learned that. All right, well, even though he has his visor, Jordy is not cheating. I think it's funny that they call him out on that too. Can you just selectively block out the wavelength that might allow him to see what's on the back of the cards? I know it sort of wonders. <laughs> well, how are you not looking? You know. <laughs> yeah, it's like like if you were to try to play poker with Superman and just I don't know. <laughs> turn off that ability that allows you to see through things. Yeah, right? Yeah, your yeah. x-ray vision. So, all right. Well, another um, hobby of Picard's, since he didn't really join in the poker game, except for the very last one on All Good Things, we have Picard fencing. And he's fencing with the crewmen, random crewmen, and will always have Paris. <laughs> and yep. fencing with Guinan in Iborg. So what do you think about this old-fashioned hobby that he has here, Richard? Old-fashioned indeed. Right? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, 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 I see the fascination um, of, of it being in, in the future, in the 24th century, uh, as something to uh, do and, you know, m maybe even master. But honestly... To me, it's a it's a wasteful <laughs> sport in a time where phasers and bullets and all that kind of stuff are are around. But hey, it's you know it's about skill. It's about um, um, uh, I 
uh, I guess defeating your own your other uh, your other opponent and um, yeah, I don't see the fascination of it, but that's just me. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I I actually kind of like it because you know we we see Picard also you know having physical books, right? So there's mm-hmm. some element of of him that likes the things that are um, maybe older, more traditional. Um, and, and something like, like fencing, I think, I mean, I've never done it myself and don't understand some of how it works, but it seems like it's, it's kind of like this, this physical and mental exercise for Picard. We only see it a little bit, um, in, um, in we'll always have Paris where there's this time loop and some random guy he's fencing with, but, but then in fencing with, uh, with Guinan, I mean, I think it's it's kind of an interesting uh, choice in that episode um, because, like, we we see him with with Guinan in a lot of um, a lot of different contexts, but you know, having having uh, them do this this fencing, I don't know. I haven't watched that that scene for for a while, but. Uh, I don't know. You just get to see them doing something a little bit, a little bit different. But I think one of the things that um, that can be pretty revealing is is actually in lessons where we don't see Picard fence, but but he's talking to Riker and you know he's all happy about his relationship and he does like this little little thing to uh, uh, to to tease Riker, like make his his finger like a fencing sword. So I think that actually reveals more about him in that episode than maybe the other times when he's fencing because he's just enjoying it, having a good time, I think. Well, and I think when I think of fencing, it's like a medium active. I mean, I'm sure it's very taxing on the body, but it's nothing like Worf's calisthenics that we'll talk about next. But, (laughs) you know, for me, when I see um, Picard do this, it's more of a game of the mind and you're trying to beat your opponent you know, by, you know, just overcoming that opponent and choosing which sword motions you're going to do and whether you go forward or backwards, you know, that it, it seems as a game that's, I don't know, game, a sport or whatever, that has a lot of strategy involved, which I think Mm -hmm. when I think of Picard, like he's so, you know, into the mental part of it that I think for him, it's a really good fit. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think that it does. And actually I, cause I hadn't watched it for a while. I was looking back at the scene with, with Guinan and, and the fencing and it actually, um, in that scene does illustrate uh, a point where, uh, Guinan seems to, you know, be in some, some distress from, from what Picard's done. And he's like, Oh, are you all right? And, and she, basically you know takes advantage of that Mm -hmm. and says you felt sorry for me look what it got you because she's trying to make this point that that Hugh and the Borg are are dangerous so actually in that situation it it does serve to 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 illustrate a a point that Guinan's trying to make in this whole discussion in the episode yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so Worf's calisthenics program is definitely much more active and physical. And we see it uh, in the emissary where Worf and Kalar are doing his calisthenics and also uh, Worf and Riker in the episode where silence has lease. So Richard, what do you think of this holodeck program that Worf has created? Well, you got Klingons. That's a good swords. thing, and that's a good thing. Um, and you got a partner right next to you, and you're you're hacking and slashing. So what else? Is, what is not to love about? No, <laughs> exactly. You got Skeletor as well. Oh yeah, and you got Skeletor too. <laughs> yes, I'm surprised you know Skeletor. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, like I've said in a previous episode, if it's before maybe like 1997, I might know it. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding. I watched oh, that as man. a kid. But yeah, it's okay. like the skull guy in in his calisthenics program who looks really imposing, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know if we ever really get to see the full, um, like how far this program can get. I think we see a couple of levels, but like how extreme does it get? <laughs> well, we see the beginning of level two, but we don't yeah. really see anything past that. But yeah, I mean, I 
I think it would be great. I mean, this. I mean, this. It seems like a really, um, uh, you know, taxing physically <laughs> kind of program. Obviously, because you know you got people trying to kill you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love it. I would love to have something. So, like if this. you had a holodeck, would you try to make something like Worf's program? Uh, <laughs> How well would you do against it at this point? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, no, I'd have to work out quite a bit <laughs> in order to get to that point. But um, yeah, I probably would. I mean, I think that would be fun. I mean, reenact. I mean, I, you know, I'm uh, very su- uh, surprised that it wouldn't be like a like a historian sort of like point of view where he would like reenact a, a battle of like from Klingon history or something like that. Or even mm. would he be even interested in human? Um, reenactments hmm. you know what i mean like medieval times dark uh, dark ages time interesting or earlier yeah because this is more that. just like some other alien species on some jungle planet it's not specific to like the cultures he's lived right. in the klingon or human culture that's true because you would think with someone that's so deep in tra- uh, tradition that he would actually have something along those lines that he would do something like that i i, I can mm-hmm. see him as a reenactor can you yeah, I think that makes total sense. I really like that idea, and I would like to see that. Yeah, or maybe he could play the character of, you know, Kayless in some famous battle or something. I could exactly. see him to do that. But would that be blasphemy? Oh. <laughs> I mean, within their own religion, you know, like, uh, you can't, like, reenact as, mm-hmm. as the actual person. Or, like, maybe you could be his general or something like that. There you go. Maybe. Well, yeah, maybe with the level of Kalos, but you know, you go back and they've got all the Civil War reenactments and stuff like that. It's not right. blasphemy to have someone play Abraham Lincoln or General Lee or you no, know. No, I mean, because yeah, no, I what know. I meant by that is like he's a religious. Yeah, yeah he's a religious I figure. I mean, he <laughs> yeah, like exactly. in the Klingon culture, he's like a, a Jesus or Muhammad kind of figure, and it's like when you take it to that level, it's a little different, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, regardless, anyway. I, I figured. Yeah, I figured he, he would he would do something like that, regardless if it's blasphemy or not. <laughs> um, I'm sure. I'm sure that he would reenact it. I think that would be a great way to, um, I guess, show or even depict um, Klingon um, history. Yeah, I really like um, Wars Calisthenics and what we learn because it's first introduced, you know, with the emissary. Um, with Worf sharing it with Kalar. And of course, you know, she's Klingon and they have a romantic relationship. But when he's in with Riker, I just really feel that that bonds and cements their friendship throughout the rest of the series because, like, it's something private to Worf. And we know Worf is just, you know, he's not going to be friends with every person, you know, on the ship. But to specifically, you know, ask Riker to to do this program and, and he gets so caught up in it, you know, and where Riker asks, like, enough, you know, Worf, and to stop him because he's so into the game. I just, I think that really shows uh, the beginning of their friendship and their bond that they have together. So I, I really like it and what it brings to their characters. It, it is it is a good point that it, it starts something with them. And I think... Uh, like you see Worf have more and more uh, respect. And I think especially after a matter of honor, when, when Riker is basically on this Klingon ship as part of an exchange program and, and shows that he can be uh, as formidable as, as any Klingon uh, in those kinds of situations. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point. Um, But are those the only two times we see it? We don't see it otherwise besides those season two episodes. I I mean, if you're talking about Voyager, but I mean, I don't know if that's a case. Like, well, uh, no, I mean, on, on just on TNG something. for Worf's program. Yeah. It's kind of uh, surprising that we wouldn't want to come back to it again. Yeah. Well, another uh, hobby we have is acting. And Beverly Crusher is has written some plays that we get to see. And sort of with the acting and the dancing, we'll sort of combine both of those because those are some of her hobbies. Um, but she writes, she wrote two plays that they showed, the first one being Frame of Mind, and Riker plays in that one. And she play, she wrote a play called Something for Breakfast that we learn about in A Fistful of Datas. Um, so what do you think about Beverly Crusher showing her acting and directing skills as a character? I mean, it's interesting because that's something Gates McFadden the actress actually actually does. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I like it because it, 
I mean, it's especially appropriate for frame of mind because of how that episode works and how Riker gets kind of lost in this whole thing and wondering what reality is. Um, but I, I, I think also we see Data trying his hand at Shakespearean acting, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and and I, I, I do like, I mean, again, it's kind of like like poker. It's like there's this thing that's, that's kind of not as physically taxing as like Worf's calisthenic program or being in in a battle, but where you're you're seeing them uh, try to do something that's a little bit different. And as far as as acting, it's like they can get out of the usual role that they have, um, and and kind of be somewhere else as as a, as a distraction from all the difficult things that they have to do. So I I like it quite a bit when we see that kind of thing on TNG. Yeah, and I like that Beverly's always, you know, going around, all right, I need you to play this part and I need you to do this. And, you know, so it really is a coming together of the crew. And so I, I like that about her. Oh, and she does that with uh, Barclay as well, right? Yeah. Trying to encourage mm-hmm. him and his acting abilities, which really feeds into some of his character development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> acting within acting. I know, right? It's like frame of mind. <laughs> yeah, it's different. I mean, it, I mean, I agree with uh, Justin. It works re- really well with the uh, with the story, but like anything beyond that, I'm like, um, hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, it just it just sounds it sounds ridiculous, but it's not <laughs> acting within acting. Hmm. I mean, I I don't know. I think it it might it might make sense, although it it just so happens that these some of these senior officers are into acting. Well, like I said, you know, it's just obviously because they're all actors. <laughs> no, but I mean, if it if it was real, would it be the case? I mean, maybe that you have some of the senior officers into it. But no, 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 no. I know, I, I get it. I'm, not, I'm just saying, like, it, it works really well with, the, with mm-hmm. like, like you said, in frame of mind. It work, It's a great story to, uh, to set, um, you know, stepping point uh, in, in to do that. And um, I, I'm just saying, like. It just sounds awkward. But but but, <laughs> like, but but think about this. A lot of times when they're in a holodeck program, they're acting as a certain character as yeah. part of that. So there might yeah. there might actually be a special appeal to this different kind of acting that's more traditional where there's you're doing something on a stage with certain sets and it's not part of a holodeck program. Maybe it w- there'd be a resurgence of that kind of like acting. Like a drama or something like that? Like yeah. Because yeah. like it's different. Yeah, that, like it, it takes, I think, a, like a different skill and a different way of doing things. And, you know, of course, on the Enterprise D, they like some traditional things, physical books, classical music concerts. So they seem the to most be... advanced starship in the fleet and yeah. yet they do some old school stuff. Well, yeah, but I mean, it. I think that can have an appeal sometimes because like think of our, our own day where you can get you know, so much digital music, but there has been a resurgence of people wanting music on vinyl as like a physical medium, yeah. right? But Richard is giving this puzzled expression, but it's something Do that... Do you really want to go back to like three and a half and uh, in eight tracks and everything when you can have that, that sound uh, iPod or whatever? Exactly. No, but I'm one of those who's, who's into that, who likes, because that's more of the experience, just like sitting down and listening to a record and, and the a certain way of of doing things so i think maybe in the 24th century that would have its own appeal going back to earlier forms when holodecks are so common you know so 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 here's my stance on that okay, <laughs> okay. so like so jennifer wants to have a, th- the, a record player and play, wants to play it and, and it's like music of today i'm like why would we want to do that why don't we just play the music of yesterday you know or like in the past or something like that otherwise I like it sitting on my mantle over there collecting dust. <laughs> yeah, well, we could have a whole other discussion about it because there's there's some ways in which the it, it sounds better and the experience is better. But but I I just think it it is realistic that they might want to go back to some of these earlier things if if a lot of their lives they've seen you know holodecks and these other kinds of yeah. simulations and they want to do something different become more right appealing. i think it yeah. it yeah. brings back this level of authenticity in a world that is so simulated you mm-hmm. know like the holodeck and you're sent the hall and you're just gonna and they're know, in a ship in space which is so artificial, artificial compared to how yeah. humans have lived so long before that so they're looking to capture something from an earlier time when they weren't on a starship with holodecks. I right. Think. I yeah. I actually like the idea of the hall because I can get drunk on my freaking break <laughs> and then be like, oh, crap, I got to go back to work and then I'm good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
All right. Well, another old school is horseback riding, which we see Picard do quite a bit. Um, we have him in Suddenly Human, Pen Pals, Starship Mine, and of course, who doesn't have their own saddle? And we see him in the movie Generations. So what do you think about Picard enjoying his horseback riding? I'm surprised he doesn't do, play polo, too. Like, like not like water polo, <laughs> yeah. but like... But like polo yeah. on a horseback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. polo, polo, yeah. <laughs> I'm very surprised. Because, like, you know, we see all these, like, like like you said, you know, fencing, books, horseback riding, polo. What's I mean, what else? I mean, um, archaeology, I'm sure, is... is mm-hmm. uh, he likes mm-hmm. old things. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he is old. He is old. I, mean, I wasn't saying <laughs> <No>. that, but <laughs> but like I, I just say like he's very traditional, old fashioned, and I would mm-hmm. think that something like to add a sport if we were to see uh, something like that, you would. I mean, if he's as accomplished um, horseback rider as he says he is, he'd probably be a polo player too. No, I would Unless think so. I think guy. they just didn't have the budget to yeah. <laughs> to do something like that. Or is like it a young man's sport? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but. I, I figured that would be a part of it as well. So, yeah. And I yeah. like uh, the interplay uh, when Troy goes to get Picard out of the hollow deck, and you know, and Picard's like, "Well, I thought for sure that you would enjoy horseback riding, and you know, being an empath and all." And she's like, "No, we get too caught up in the animals' emotions, and and I can, and that reveals a lot about her character and sort of how strong her empathic powers are." Because, I mean, when I interact with animals, I've got a huge dog that lives with me and, you know, and he can sense my feelings and I can sense his, you know. And so to have that amplified, you know, with her empathic powers, I think uh, definitely I can see that she wouldn't be around animals that much. Yeah, I could totally see that, too. Yeah, it is is interesting. It is extends to more than just just humanoids uh, mm-hmm. to to other animals as well yeah so i guess in the holodeck he rides a hollow horse then <laughs> h-o-l-o <laughs> but uh... <laughs> that doesn't kick you off yeah and throw you in off. <laughs> generations he's riding the nexus horse so are, the are nexus they horse. even real <laughs> yeah because it can, it's it's i mean because it, it's about training you know it's got it's got stubbornness and all that kind of stuff it kind of takes out of yeah. it and it kind of takes the skill out of um unless you program into it yeah I guess. And, and what's interesting is like for a lot of these where he's horseback riding i'm like oh yeah that's kind of interesting but somehow in generations when he's doing the horseback riding with kirk it's like oh this is cool i like yeah. seeing this there's something about it when it's like the two of them and it's not just you know picard on on his horse that it's it's really interesting i actually love those those scenes where we see the two of them together and also it helps you to see in the movie some of the commonality that they have and that they can kind of connect and work together even though they really didn't have interaction before that so yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. does it work for you richard no 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 it does i'm just saying like no no no, yeah because i could see it more with kirk than anyone else Mm -hmm. um only because of you know the time frame of where uh, of where he's at, uh, you know, with TOS and everything, but like I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not so much with Picard, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I could it see works. it. It's kind of like a again, it's like an older thing that's relaxing. So I could see him. But being isn't into he, it. isn't like Kirk like a hundred years? Is it how many years have we been between TNG and uh, TOS? Depends on where you're talking about. Are you talking about like the actual series or after the movies? Well, around a hundred. Seventy-five to a hundred. Okay, so yeah, basically a hundred. Yeah. So I mean, you would think that. So I'm sure that a lot's changed in that time frame where horses are. You know, like there are probably more people that are horses in like Picard in his. (laughs) Do you say more people that are horses? No, no, no. I mean, like, like horses. I'm sorry. Okay. That's what I meant to say. Not our horses. Just imagining that. Yeah, we got centaurs all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> but like, imagine how difficult that would be to be on a starship with doing that. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to have big hallways for that one. Well, yeah. I mean, I think they pretty much, well, he kept, keeps his saddle on the ship, Picard does, I guess, because maybe there'll be a place where they can beam down and he can ride a horse for a day. Maybe. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> Rental horse, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, I guess so, yeah. Or they have hollow meters all across, and they can ride a horse that way. 
like it up in the landscape. So we don't have to maintain the horse. Yeah, there, there you go. See. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew we'd talk so much about horseback riding? Yeah, I know. It's all, it's all about it's all about freaking uh, you know logistics. <laughs> <laughs> Well, one game that I really like is when we get to see them do their phaser target practice. And we see Picard and Riker in A Matter of Honor. And then we see Worf and Guinan in Redemption, which I think is funny because Guinan's like, well, I guess I can come down to your level. I just love (laughs) that. (laughs) Where she's like this expert, but, you know, she has been around alive for a lot longer than Worf. So she definitely has her practice and can come down to Worf's level. Yeah, I, I like seeing the phaser uh, range where they're doing target practice, but I don't know if I understand like the rules of what they're doing because there's all these targets that appear and they shoot some but not others. I don't know how it well, works. Well, I think it's like the color is like, okay, well, I'm going to be green and you be blue and, you know, Richard will be red, you know, and so you want to make sure to only hit your target. And, you know, if I hit a red one for Richards, then he gets a point or it's a minus and if it, for like, me. If it appears and you don't get it and it disappears, then. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's so. how I imagined it. But yeah, I, well, I like seeing Guinan and, and Worf and that, that she's so good at it because she's been doing it before he was born. I, I kind of wish in, in TNG we saw more of that kind of thing from, from Guinan where uh, she has all of this this knowledge of weapons and fighting and things like that. But, but anyway, I, I like seeing that. And they have some interesting uh, conversations while they're in the, in the phaser range. I think both times there's something important that they need to talk about or really work out. So it, it, it kind yeah, of they're both Klingon episodes. Hmm. That's true. Which I found interesting when I was doing the research, I'm like, that's really interesting. Um, with them being, you know, uh, Klingon episodes, like target practice. It's a very, <clears throat> you're still practicing and honing your skill while have enjoying some time, some downtime, you know? So it seemed very Klingon-y to enjoy something, but still have a purpose. Yeah. And it's interesting, like in a matter of honor that they're in the phaser range and that's where, where Picard says, Hey, I'd like you to be on the, on, on this Klingon ship. And they're doing this thing. That's, that's about, you know, honing your skills for, for weaponry. So I, mm-hmm. I guess it seems, that seems appropriate and, and Worf, you know, in redemption is is struggling with some things and has this conversation with Guinan, so it's on the, the phaser range. But yeah, it's they're not in Worf's calisthenics program working on actually it would be pretty interesting to see just Picard and Riker in the calisthenics program and how quickly they might not make it. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I mean what do you think of the, the phaser range, Richard? I'm sure that's something you would do if you uh, had the ability on a holodeck. You're right. On a military ship. <laughs> um, that's how I see um, the phaser target tra- uh, practice. I mean, granted, I mean, it's great to do like, uh, you know, talk to or have like a conversation, sort of like, you know, like your poker game, you know, it'd be something else to do. But like, um, yeah, I could see this. Uh, I, I, I um, so I, I could see this being for like training for security. That's uh, that's how I'm seeing it, not as a game. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, phaser target practices. So I uh, probably like in the background you see red shirts probably dying, but um, <laughs> red shirts shooting or or no 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 in TNG it would be yellow shirts too. But um, but yeah like um, you see uh, basically security guardsmen you know basically you know target practice and that's ultimately what this would do. I mean this is this would be great hand eye coordination and and whatnot um but like yeah this i uh, i mean obviously you probably won't see this more uh see this kind of thing more often because they don't want to consider the enterprise as uh, a ship for military purposes <laughs> which well, i, I mean hope... but, it, but it is in in certain circumstances a military right. ship it, exactly really, but... but you'd have to have a proficient security team and a proficient mm-hmm. security team needs to know how to shoot versus you know, get shot up or miss all the time, like stormtroopers and red shirts. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, that's- I, I think you're right. Like realistically, they would probably have a phaser range that would have not just like little circles, but, you know, actual adversaries or targets, kind of like what you see in, in discovery. Um, mm-hmm. But 
Exactly because, like Discovery, yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, like here, because it's so stripped down and it's just like, I have a phaser, I'm inside a circle, I'm going to hit the other circle up there. It is more about them having discussions about about things in, in these Klingon um, mm-hmm. episodes and uh, Guinan trying to get... <laughs> To, to get Worf to talk about why he doesn't laugh. It's like therapy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, you know, and, and it's great for Worf. I mean, actually, we probably should have seen this more being as the security chief, seeing him more in this, or more on the target range, or target, or, yeah, target range? Yeah, yeah. no, phaser range. There you go. <laughs> I, I call it phaser range. <laughs> but, like, basically, a phaser range, you know, being able to talk to someone in his own environment that he's comfortable with, which would be weaponry. You know, just like his calisthenic and, well, later on, his other stuff that we'll talk about. <laughs> Orf's other stuff, yeah. Yeah, Orf's other stuff. You know, not breaking stuff in his quarters, but something else. <laughs> well, I was always fascinated with Ambu Jitsu, and that we see in the Icarus Factor with Will and his father, Kyle Riker. And it's very... I just think this is the strangest (laughs) game or sport or whatever you want to call it because you're blindfolded. And so you've got these little sticks or whatever that have sensors on them. So you sort of have to swing them around to find your opponent. Yeah, it's like it's like blindfolded American gladiators. Yeah, there (laughs) you go. Exactly. I love it. Q-tips and and sensors on them. Yeah. Which I never understood. I'm like, okay, so... Yeah, I, I mean, what does this does the sound go off when they detect them in their ears, or is it everyone's ears? Because if that's the case, Ed, all you have to do as the opponent is dodge it. <laughs> you don't roll away or something like well, that. Well, and but, that's what know. I find interesting is that you know when they're doing it and like you know, and he swings and then Riker jumps over it. I'm like, how did you know? You're blindfolded. It's, I there's, don't there's something get that's, it. There's something that's kind of very Star Wars about it. Like you're sensing where things are, even though you can't see it. Right. I mean, it's weird to see. Yeah. It and I guess force. you have to develop exactly. your other senses, you know, feel the force, you know, but you know, you have to listen. Are they stepping and you know, how awesome would that be if he actually tried to jump over it and in reality he was actually trying to go for his chest and just knocks him on the back? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's oh! like the, the the whole thing is really bizarre because like you see them in this outfit and it has some like it's you know, vaguely Asian looking characters yeah. and like yeah. they're vaguely basing it off of some like martial arts from Asia. It's really like an odd combination that they put together. I, they look like a samurai to me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the way the armor, the way the plates are, and everything. Um, and obviously, it's only in certain areas that um, that you would strike someone, not like stab, like you know, like medieval armor is or European armor is. But yeah, but basically, like that's ultimately what. Yeah. What, yeah, samurais do. Yeah, but it's it, I, and I guess they made it so that they they can't see so that. Um, I guess Will Riker can have the revelation that his father was cheating all along, and but you wouldn't know that because you couldn't see. I mean, there's a lot of trust that you're not cheating in this sport, and there's there's like no referee or anyone to call a foul. It's just like I'll trust that you're you're not cheating here. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Or he can have the visor down and just like <laughs> just tip his head up and see just, underneath yeah, it. Like, oh, I see you now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think out of everything that's on this list, it's probably the most bizarre thing that they came up with yeah i don't know who made that up <laughs> well sure you know and i think it. it would be so I'm difficult sure to to create something that's futuristic that you know hasn't we haven't seen before i mean kudos to the writers for coming up with something so bizarre and weird but it is <laughs> very weird you could reenact tron you could do like the life cycle work. Right? <laughs> there you go or even discourse there you go yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to have that. <laughs> Minus being, you know, de-resolution, uh, resolution and all that kind of stuff and dying, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's odd. Although I think one of the things that, that we haven't talked about where they came up with like a future kind of thing that, that does work. I don't know if you want to talk about this because it was early on the list as Stratagema. No, yeah. Because that's something like, unlike Ambo Jitsu, it like you can, you don't really know how it works, but it, there's this really like interesting kind of holographic 
display and they're doing these things with their fingers to have the things go up. But I don't know. I, I like I like Stratagema and I think it, that we see in peak performance. Um, and it and it tells you about you know data and how his his mind works and what he needs to do in the end to really win against uh, Kolrami. And I think it looks cool and it's interesting. I'd want to try it out even if I got slaughtered like Riker does. Uh, what do you think, Richard? It's it's like Battleship or something like that. That's what it looks like. It, yeah. I mean, it looks like Battleship and but they can but they can see both it. sides. What's going on? Can't they? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, because like the screen keeps going around. Yeah. And everything, I don't know if that's the spectator's um, point of view or if. No, I sort of thought that you know it was spinning and that was part of the game. This or is... maybe, or maybe it's the reason why it's translucent is that that uh, that you're supposed to counter or something like that. Like it's a well, maybe it's like a chessboard. Like make a move over here, make a move, but they're making like simultaneous moves. It's it's kind of right. interesting, and it's actually the first one we've talked about so far that actually has spectators, where it's made for people to like cheer you on, and I think that makes it really fun too. Because for a lot of these other things, there's just a couple people in isolation that are just doing something, and there's not it's not like a spectator sport like Stratagema. Yeah. Well, you can you can spectate. You know, worst catastatic uh, hologram. Program. Or you can be oh. behind the poker no, you table. Can't. Like, He's yeah. not going to invite you in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you can watch the poker game. Yeah. Or, or cheer <laughs> on Picard and Kirk with their horseback riding, like, yeah, yeah ride through the Nexus. <laughs> <laughs> Make that jump. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, another I'd... spectator one is Dom Jot that we learn about in Tapestry, True. right? I I always pictured Dom Jot was like, uh, um, shoot, what's that thing where you a pinball slash pool it's kind, crossover? Yeah, it's kind of like a cross. I think that's what what they created it as a, a cross between pinball and and pool or billiards. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say billiards, but with uh, but with rubber balls. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, like you said, you know, um, pinball because yeah, because you sort of pull the stick back and it yeah, and it's got like it's got like four holes in the middle too, a- along the sides as well, and also four holes in the middle or something. Yeah, like that. three something like that. I don't know. And apparently, something yeah. underneath that you can use to cheat. Yeah, we find out in Tapestry. I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe it's the bumpers. They don't bump as hard or something like that. Or maybe or it's that like they if bump you were to... extra hard. Oh, um, or like you could... maybe it's it's like there's some electronics inside. It'd be like if you messed with a pinball machine just to to work a little bit differently. Oh, if you slanted it, you know. No, I'm saying like actually getting into like the programming of the machine and making it so that. So, well, I don't know how you could do that with a pinball machine, but but there's something you can about kick the, it. Well, because that was the thing, you know, back Tilt. in the day when you go play pinballs, yes. you'd have to, you know, try and slant it up more so it wouldn't, you know, the ball wouldn't come down. Yeah, but as a more modern machine doesn't we, like do we that. know what Amy was doing. Oops. <laughs> 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 We'll have to watch her next time we we play uh, pinball against her or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like it, it's interesting to see this this sport we haven't seen before, and in this episode that's about you know choices that Picard made when when he was he was young. I don't know how much it really adds to what's going on in the episode. Well, I mean, it, I, I guess it's the the catalyst for the you know the cheating and the fight and all of that, but. It's kind of fun to to see, and it's. I think it's kind of a shame we didn't see it elsewhere. Well, you kind of have to. Well, you kind of had to have something like this anyway, because I mean, a they're in a bar, mm-hmm. and traditionally in a bar is a pool table, in, in, yeah, and you know whatever else, or darts and everything. Okay, oh man, I can only imagine darts in the future. <laughs> well, we see but what like, darts in the future are like in Deep Space Nine. The same, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Unless you're genetically enhanced, and then you have to you have to be a little bit further. <laughs> but like I mean, I, you know, a futuristic basically pool pool table. I mean, yeah. that makes sense in um, for tapestry, especially in a bar. So yeah, yeah, I like classic it. bar room fart uh, or <laughs> <laughs> classic bar fight there you watch go. out you're gonna have a knife in your heart see that would be a different episode if if uh, the crux of it was was farting at the wrong time oh my gosh <laughs> people kind of fart i mean oh my they, gosh really they, boys unless they figured out a cement their cracks okay <laughs> so you know it what? back in and, yeah they, well we can go further into that i'm sure they have special underwear there you go okay it comes out. all right <laughs> 
Well, guys, I would like to know, uh, do you have any honorable mentions that you want to discuss that we didn't cover so far? Justin? Well, I, I think we we were going to combine it, but we didn't talk about it, which was dancing. Oh. <laughs> which um, I I really love what we see. I think we have listed here Data's Day and, and First Contact. And um, Data's Day has one of, I think, the funniest scenes out of out of all of these where data is learning to to dance he has all these problems with it and eventually he just plasters this creepy smile on his face while he's dancing oh yeah that is Um, funny so yeah and i think it's it's interesting in in that episode because you know in in data's day you're seeing the course of of a day for him and and this is part of you see part of his his struggle like oh, okay there's this wedding that's happening I, I need to dance i need to figure out how to do it i know dr crusher knows how to dance and we'll find out how to do it in 5 minutes or something like that i think it's 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 really interesting and it's 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 a great scene uh that that tells you about uh about his character so i, I like its use there and again beverly's character cuz she definitely can tap dance that's for sure she can yeah Gates well, McFadden is a great dancer feet. <laughs> I know, and like they pull back, and it's clear that they they had uh, a double for for Brent Spiner, but I still enjoy it. Yeah. I don't know, maybe he tap dance. I don't know, but it makes you wonder. Like, so they yeah, they're doing like this tap dancing or ballroom dancing. Like, but what kind of dancing do they do in, in the future? That's like the up to date twenty fourth century dancing. I want to see that. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Because, I mean, the evolution of dance, you know, I don't know. On the holodeck, you could probably do all kinds of things. You could be, like, dancing in the clouds or something like that if you wanted to. (laughs) That's if you don't, you know, you're not afraid of heights or something like that. (laughs) I think anything's possible on a holodeck. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Richard, do you have one you want to talk about before we end? Well, we got to talk about Makfara. I mean, yeah. what what's what's so much? It's so much fun to throw someone across the room. I mean, come on. I mean, they gotta they gotta know how to defend themselves and everything. They can't like close fist everyone <laughs> or double fist everyone. Like you know, in the back. Uh huh. Yeah. So. So you um, like Makfara? Yeah, like, okay. Yeah, I do love Makfara. I mean, I love the whole. You know, it's a great exercise, and I'm sure it's great for uh, self defense, considering that the Enterprise gets invaded almost every episode. <laughs> it, it, it 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 seems like when you're when you're watching, um, you know, Worf teach a class, it's almost like Klingon Tai Chi in in mm. some of the the forms and how mm. he's teaching it. Like it's yeah. just this way of forming your body that's that's kind of focusing your energy and it's relaxing. I think it's it's really interesting to see. But we don't. But we don't just see him teaching it, right? We do see him using it. Um. Or no. I don't really remember exactly what he was. Wasn't it like basically like a yoga class, or at least it looked like a yoga class in the beginning? Because we really don't see it. Um, what is that episode with all those uh, lower enlisted people? Um, oh, lower decks. Lower decks. Lower decks. Thank you. Lower decks. Mm. <laughs> lower enlisted. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like that's really the only time we we really see him really use it, and you know, in, you know, and then of course you see all the students throwing each other across the room or okay. or doing whatever arm bars or whatever. But like, um, I don't remember seeing it other than. Yeah, you're right. He does dem- yeah, he does actually demonstrate the throws and things in in lower decks. I I tend to think of it more in like clues when at the beginning he's just like teaching the class, but yeah. right. Yeah, but, but kind of like yoga or something like that in the beginning. Or at least it looks like it. <laughs> Klingon yoga. That would be interesting. Oh, man, that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads into my last pick. Um, and that would be yoga with Tori and Crusher. And we now, is that them- human yoga or Betazoid yoga? Human, well, and because we see them in Worf's class as well, so they're doing all types of stretching. That's and, true. They yeah, are in Worf's and those class. leotards, those were so funny. Oh, I just and to hear Very of their time. Yes. <laughs> you know what decade it was? Definitely, definitely. <laughs> 
And, you know, just anything shiny, it must be in the future, you know, but I, (laughs) what I like about the yoga is that we actually get to see some really just some good girl time and, and Beverly and, and Deanna building their friendship and, you know, having them talk about non-work stuff. So I really enjoy those scenes and, you know, especially when they're taking Worf's classes too. I, it's really good. Would a beta Zoid be just as flexible as a human? Considering that their uh, abilities are in their mind. I don't think we know much physically about Betazoids, more about their mental abilities. Hmm. I mean, like, in reality, they look human, but they have, you know, black pupils. <laughs> so it's pretty... <laughs> I mean, really, that's the only, like, difference, like, on the outside, right? Hmm. Hmm. But I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, obviously, we see Balkans are. I don't know how flexible they are. I mean, we talk about strength and not really flexibility. Hmm. So we need the Star Trek flexibility scale to rank all the species. Yeah, I totally, I, <laughs> I, I agree with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Get well, I think that. Vulcans would be because of their continual meditation, and I think mm. stretching poses would go along with that. I mean, we learn a lot with Tapal doing it on Enterprise, so I would assume mm. that flexibility goes with meditation. Mm. In different poses? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I've never done yoga, so I would... I want to see what Spock's <laughs> yoga class would be like. Right? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Every time I hear yoga, I think of yogurt. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so in summary, I want to ask, which one of these would you do if you were serving on the Enterprise D? Justin? Ooh, that's a good question. You know what? I think that, well, I guess it depends because there are certain things I'd want to try, but I don't know if I'd stick with. Like, I'd try Stratagema, but I'd probably get killed at it and I want to do it after a while. But, you know, I mean, actually, possibly the thing that I might want to do most and to stick with is actually acting. Hmm. Um, I I did some acting um, when when I was in middle school and high school, and I liked it, never, but never really came back to it. But I feel like that's something that would be like an interesting uh, challenge to do in in my free time. So I could I could actually see myself doing that. Richard, what would be the one thing that you would do? Well, um, as much as I love to say Klingon, it's actually really not. Um, I would actually love to uh, outbest or best uh, Picard in horseback riding. Mm. Really? Um, hmm. I actually used to ride horses. Oh, okay. <laughs> long, long time ago when I was a kid and um, as a teenager here and there. But like, um, I gave that up because... It just got too expensive. But um, yeah, um, I would love to um, um, best my skills against him. So just to see, just to see how well accomplished Raider he is, and you know whoever else. And it's also like I said, like you said, you know, it's a great way to get to know someone, um, and also find out what kind of a person they are based on how they train their horses. So. Oh man, I'm imagining Richard throwing you into the future in the Nexus, and you can ride with Kirk and Picard. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yep. And yeah, test your skills against those two great captains. Oh yeah, I, well, and I think Kirk and I would be like head to head, like, oh, let's do this, <laughs> racing and everything. Make that yeah, jump. Be fun. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I well, wouldn't I have expected that, but that's cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, Amy? Well, interesting. I also rode horses when I was younger, hmm. and it was in a four H club and in parades and stuff like that. So I've done that and I don't want to return to that. Um, So. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 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 But I would really enjoy the phaser target practice. I think that would be fun. I enjoy going to the range. I own a gun. And so that's sort of already in my life. And I think that would be fun to sort of make it a game and and learn my phaser better and and be accomplished at that. I think that would be fun and I think it is it's a nice activity to do with others and you know you can have as few or as many people you know join in on the game so I like that yeah and you nice. could test your skills against Guinan. maybe over the course of the rest of your life you can yes. get to her level <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's cool guns don't have settings yeah <laughs> no. that's true <laughs> no I'm just kidding, mm. just kidding. 
All right. Well, listeners, hopefully uh, you've enjoyed listening and you can let us know which one would you like to do if you were on the Enterprise D or maybe let us know some others that we might have missed. Of course, there's more, but we just wanted to talk about these few. Now, next week, very excited. We are going to, in celebration of March Madness, um, do a Trek Madness, and we're going to do a crossover with Standard Orbit, and we're going to look at the last season, so we're going to compare the original series season three with the next generation season seven, have a head to head and see who's going to come out with the best episodes for their last season. So listeners look for that. That'll be uh, our next week uh, with the first half starting on standard orbit and then the second half ending with Earl Grey. So listeners, we're really looking forward to that. And it has been so fun going over games, sports and hobbies on the next generation. But that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, The Ready Room. I should have had my mom buy me everything because now it would be worth a ton, like the goofy Spock helmet. But I remember hooting <laughs> at those things back in the day. <laughs> you know, like, they think we're just stupid. That wasn't in the show. You don't have – a real phaser wouldn't say Star Trek on the side of it. Standard orbit. I cannot find anybody in print saying – we're going to the standard Enterprise Delta to honor the Enterprise as being the first ship of the constellation, you know, the first the five-year mission ships to come back relatively intact with its crew and ship intact. And it was not a, some fan did not just say this. Somebody in the production somewhere, and someday by God I will find where this came from because like we didn't all have this mass group hallucination about it. Somebody put a, felt the need to say everybody's wearing an Enterprise patch now, so, you know, that's past us. To the journey! So if we're going to have a more Vulcan-like Tom in Tuvom, presumably Tuvom would have to meditate and he would have to go somewhere to meditate. I'm thinking he wouldn't just go to his quarters to meditate with candles like Tuvok does, or he wouldn't go sit on some rocks on a planet somewhere. He would go in the holodeck and lock himself in his Camaro and meditate with the radio on. What would be playing on the radio? Vulcan opera. Oh, <laughs> that sounds horrible. Warp five. <laughs> Shows the, the gestation USS of the Borg from their first cube and the diamond ships. <laughs> Just transwarp conduits. Floating on the ocean. <laughs> Little Borg yes. spacemen. Yep. Before they were fully immune to the outside uh, elements, so they had little space helmets, Borg space helmets. Mm-hmm. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most thirty par- <laughs> in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there's many ways for you to do that. The best place to join the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm. So, Amy... Where can people contact you when you're not playing poker on the Enterprise D? You can find me here on the network. I co-host The Edge, which is our show on Star Trek Discovery, and I do that with Brandon Shea Mutella. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson, but my favorite place is on the Babel Conference. Uh, Richard, where can people contact you when you're not fencing with Captain Picard? 
That's because he's got his butt whipped. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, they can find me um, also on the Babel Conference. I pop in here and there. And I am also on Twitter. My uh, my handle is xransom. So, Justin, where can people contact you when you're not challenging Parami to a game of strategy? Well, when you don't find me getting slaughtered at that game, uh, you, can find, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. Uh, at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. Uh, currently tweeting out my Season 5 rewatch of The Next Generation, and you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons' website, The Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you so much for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. I guess I'll come down to your level. I busted him up. Great joy and gratitude.